Amen. Awesome. Thank you, team. Our kids can head back to be with our Transformation Station team uh, downstairs. So if you're, parents, if you're new and you want to escort your kids down, feel free to do that uh, as they get settled in there. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Philippians. We'll be in chapter 1 this morning, uh, starting in verse 27. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provide for you like this, uh, it's page 980, 980. And uh, if you don't own a Bible or you would like a new Bible, uh, consider this a gift from Redemption Hill, okay? So uh, we would love for you to take that just as a small gift from us this morning, and uh, we would uh, be happy to share that with you. Well, what I want to do, I want to pray, and then I want to read this passage, and then we're going to dive right in, okay? So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll read uh, what Paul says here. God, thank you for uh, this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to come together and to spend time together, and most of all, God, to spend some time with you. Uh, Lord, we know that you're not restricted by just a space or a time, God, that, that we can uh, indeed experience you anywhere by your grace. Uh, but at the same time, Lord, we know the importance of what it means to come together and to sing to you and to pray together and encourage one another and hear from your word. And so, Lord, would you speak to us now? God, we, uh, we pray that we would be uh, poor and powerless, that we would see that in and of ourselves, we don't, we don't have what it takes, God, but you, you put what it takes in us by uh, your grace. So Lord, may we not assume or pretend that we have it all together, including myself, but Lord, may we come with open hands and willing hearts for you to work in us as you see fit. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, starts like this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. These verses have always been foundational to Redemption Hill Church. In fact, what I want to do this morning is I just want to take you on a trip down memory lane and provide some of the backdrop, the back. So like some of you probably came here this morning and you have no clue that Redemption Hill Church is five years old, okay? So like I have a five-year-old a little girl, her name is Kessid, and, uh, and so five-year-olds are like a work in progress, you know what I'm saying? And so as a church, like we are still really new at this thing. We're still kind of establishing foundations and getting off the ground. We've only been at this together as a new church in Medford for five years, but the story starts way before 2011. 
You see, God started to put a dream in my heart, a prayer in my heart that said, look, uh, I've, I've called you to like, serve in the context of a church, Tanner, uh, but I want you to be open to serving in whatever way that I see fit. And so uh, what that meant for me, I was learning about the need for new churches, not only globally, all over the world, that more people might hear about Jesus, but also that we need new churches here in North America. And so as I began to pray about that, God put a couple of clear desires in my heart. You could almost call them criteria, okay? Uh, number one, uh, let's, let's see you move outside of the Bible Belt, okay? So kind of the south, southeast kind of major, just there are a ton of churches uh, down in that part of the country, which is where I'm from, okay? I met somebody new this morning uh, who, who grew up around here, and uh, they asked me, hey, did you go to Medford High? And I was like, no, but that would have been cool, all right? I'm not a Mustang, but now I'm a Mustang, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so I've been here for seven years, didn't grow up here. Boston's home now. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so so uh, number one, get outside of the Bible Belt, and then two, get to a major city, all right? And you just see what, what God is, is doing in his early mission. We're going to look at Acts a little bit this morning that unfolds the, the story of Jesus' earliest followers. And what we see is that, that the, the early strategists in the church, the earliest missionaries, they went from city to city, from region, regional hub of influence to another regional hub of influence. So I just said, God, why not send me to a city? And when you put that criteria on it, it limits your options pretty quick, right? You got Chicago, you got New York City, you got Philly, you got, you know, uh, some of these other, you know, lesser cities. Um, and then you have Boston, right? So, uh, so just turns, as, as it happens, uh, took a trip. That following summer, as I'm praying about all this, and uh, came up to a Red Sox game. And you know, man, God's at work. Like once the curse was broken in 2004, God is clearly, you know, uh, a little more at work. I'm being a little sarcastic, chill out. Um, but, but after that trip to the Sox game, just started to say, why not Boston? Started to investigate what, what was going on here in the city. And so this was, was my prayer that became our prayer. Marsha and I were getting to know one another at the time. We, we soon became engaged, you know, and then I put a ring on it, and, and uh, we got married, and this became our prayer, which was a great thing. And, and then what we said from the very beginning is, God, please don't send us to Boston alone, okay? So, so in other words, like, we know it's going to be uh, difficult. Some people call this, like, so... Redemption Hill is what's known as a church plant, which basically means you're starting a new church, like putting, you know, seeing it grow and flourish. And so some people call Boston a church planter's graveyard. Not, not, not super encouraging, really. Um, but, um, but, but, but we said, you know, not only are we going to need encouragement and the, 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 the climate is going to be different, these crazy long winters, this winter hasn't been too bad, but you, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so we, we just said, God, would you send us with some people that can encourage us in the way? and that we could do life together with, and we could do ministry together with. And so uh, in those earliest days, as we were just spreading the word, like, hey, we're, we're going to Boston to start a new church. We need some people praying for us. We uh, made this prayer card. So again, this is trip down memory lane. Uh, look at this. You got uh, the Turleys here in blue. This is Parker. She's seven now, and she was just one there. Isn't she cute? Hmm? I know some of you are thinking, like, man, they look so young. They look so, you know, I hope you're just saying young, right? This is like, don't, don't say they were looking better, right? We're still looking all right. Um, but, but the Chastain family, John's one of our pastors. You, you heard from him earlier this morning. And then uh, the Miller family and Abby Cook, also uh, some other part of our core leadership team that moved here together. And if you were to rewind about three or four months before this, before the team uh, grew to a core team of seven to move to Boston here together of adults, 
you would have found a card that only had our family and the Miller family on it, and it had a little verse up in the corner, all right, because that's what Christians do. We got to put a Bible verse on there, right? Um, so, so that verse was, guess what? Philippians 1, 27. And why was that? Well, it's because of what is communicated here. Just let me read it one more time, and then we'll break it down and begin to work our way through this, uh, this passage, these words. So Paul says, only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that, check this out, you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So just to break it down in three, like kind of three ways. Okay, number one, you have a goal, right? You have a supreme aim, something that you're chasing after, a purpose, that all of this, all that we're doing, what we're doing is for the faith of the gospel, like who Jesus is, what he's all about, for us to grow in that ourselves and to help other people understand who Jesus is and what he's all about, okay? So that is the goal. How are we going to get to that goal? We're not going to come up here and just hit chill mode and be lazy, okay? We're actually going to work, and dare we say, work very hard, striving after this faith of the gospel. But it's not like, come here, and you, know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, you, you, you know, uh, and we just hope it all works out. No, God's plan is that we live together in community, and we go at this together, and so it's not just a goal that we're chasing, we're working hard, but we're doing it in a united way. We're doing it as one. And so this was God's game plan for his earliest followers. We thought, like, this should just be our game plan as well. Like, no need to come up with a new plan. God, your plans are pretty good. We'll follow your plans here. And so from 2011 to 2017, the plan has not changed. We're still after the same plan. And it's one that I want to invite you in on today. So what we're going to see here as we continue this series, we're calling Jesus people, as simple as that, through the book of Philippians, is that Jesus people live worthy of Jesus, united as one. All right? Jesus people live united, live, live worthy of Jesus, united as one. So let me just give you a couple of primary encouragement on how we can do this together as the group of people known, the group of Jesus people known as Redemption Hill Church, all right? Number one, live worthy of Jesus by standing and striving side by side. If you were to pull out your Greek New Testament, which the, the New Testament was written primarily in Greek, you would see that Paul, sometimes a little verbose, okay? We're not just, just calling a spade a spade, okay? This, this actually, verses 27, 8, 9, and 30 were actually one sentence in the Greek, all right? Now, this one sentence has one primary verb, which should be translated as live, okay? So, so he, here's the game plan. Live in a particular kind of way. Translators smooth it out by saying, let your manner of life, that's how they they try to pack all of that in there, let your manner of life, and then it goes on, be worthy, shows how we are to live. And don't miss that first word. What is is the first word there? Anybody got that? You got it? Only, right? You see that? Only let your manner of life. 
So Paul is, is, is using a word to grab their attention and say, look, this is, this is what is essential. In your life, if you, if you don't get anything else right, but you get this one thing right, then there's going to be like this domino effect in your life. Like if you get your life living worthy of Christ and his gospel, then you can rest assured that these other place, pieces are going to fall into to place, which is really one reason I'm a Christian. I say it all the time as I'm talking to people who aren't familiar with the story of Jesus. I just quote C.S. Lewis. Okay, he wasn't a biblical author, but he was an atheist turned Christian in the last century. And he says, look, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. You follow me? Worthy of Jesus that impacts family, friendships, work life, play life. You can keep on going there. So Paul's saying, look, this is what's essential. Live worthy of Jesus. And this this verb has the idea of citizenship loaded into it. Okay, the the Greek word is polytuesethe. And and what that, you can hear the, the word there, poly or politics or Police meaning a city, um, the idea of citizenship is loaded in here. And why would Paul do that? I think we can come up with a couple of pretty safe conclusions, okay? Number one, he's running to people in Philippi, and Philippi was a city in modern-day Greece, and they enjoyed, though not part of Rome proper because the Roman Empire was spreading, they had particular places around their empire that were given colony status, Okay, so Philippi was a city that enjoyed status as a Roman colony, which which meant that a lot of people were gaining Roman citizenship and all of the privileges and responsibilities that came with that in Philippi. So surely they would have had a little bit of of pride, you know, kind of resting on their shoulders. Hey, like, we're we're in Philippi. We're part of the Roman colony. Um, we, We have some privileges that some of the other cities around us don't enjoy. And I think we can... Understand that here in, in Beantown, right? Title Town, USA. And like, we, we love our city, right? We're proud of our city. Perhaps some, I haven't seen it yet, but I plan to see it. Some of you have probably seen the movie Patriot's Day, which depicts the, the, the horrific story of the marathon bombing that many of us experienced just a few years ago. But, but the, the, what that movie is communicating, what we experience is that this city is a proud city. It's a strong city. It's a tough city. It's a resilient city. And not only that, it's an influential city, right? Like it's like a wide tanner. Why did you guys choose to move to Boston to start a new church? Well, this is why, because if God does something here, I'm getting chills just saying this. All right, like, let me finish. If, if God does something here, the world will fill it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if that doesn't convince you to be a part of the mission and vision, like, I'm, just, I'm done. This is... Right? One of the most influential cities on the planet, a global city with global impact. And so Paul says, look, you understand what citizenship's about. Us Bostonians understand what, what citizenship's about, but we belong to the city of Boston. And what Paul's saying is, look, no, you belong to a greater city. You belong to Philippi, but you belong to a greater city. Your citizenship, he's going to go on to say later in the book, is in heaven. So as Augustine would say, this, this early uh, church scholar and pastor, he would say, live as the city of God within the city of man. You are a city within a city. And then also, I think we could just say Paul is probably using this 
picture loading the idea of citizenship into the term because of the essence of a city, right? I mean, think about Boston. Population density and diversity. It's one of the things we love about our city. Can you imagine if all of the structures and everything that makes Boston, Boston, were still present around here, and you had a population of not, you know, roughly six million in the greater, you know, Boston area, but you had a population of one. Just like, that's a crazy thought. That's an amazing thought. Like, so the idea of a city is that it is loaded with people, and these people are experiencing the fabric of their lives being woven together. To where, like, people in a city were not independent, were interdependent, right? So he says, live as citizens of God's city within the city of man. And to do that, you need to do so together. And so this, this encouragement is to live worthy. We could say it, it is to reflect the pristine character of Jesus, we could say it's, it's to give Jesus a good name, right? So um, by our very lives, we want to not shame the name of Jesus, right? But to honor the name of Jesus. To do whatever it is that we're doing, no matter where we are, so that when people look at us and they say, oh, this person says they're a Christian, and we bear the name of Christ, that we are reflecting who he is and we Help people see who he really is, right? So as we said, I think, last week, like, we don't make Jesus great. We don't make his name better, but we represent his name, and we reflect his name, and so we want to give that all we've got. So Paul says, only let your manner of life, and this phrase just struck me this week, manner of life, and I thought about this. If we were just hanging out, and we played a game. I've never played this game before, but just hypothetically, you know, speaking, um, if we were to play a game and we were to say, okay, hey, look, you know, I want you to list the first three words that come to mind when you think about this person. What would people say about you? What would be the three words? Would they have more to do with you? Or would they be a beautiful picture pointing to a greater person and greater reality? Namely, that, that Jesus is in your life and that Jesus has changed you. Now, obviously, Paul here, he's writing to a group of people who said, I'm all in with Jesus. So for, for someone to live worthy of the gospel presupposes that they have stepped into the life of the gospel, the life of Jesus. The word gospel just means the good news about Jesus, okay? And so I don't want to assume, right? I never want to assume. In fact, what we do assume at Redemption Hill is that there are always friends with us from the community and people that we're bringing with us that have not yet. They're just, maybe you're here and you're exploring who Jesus is and what he's all about. And if that's you, we're so thankful that you're here. This is, this is the expectation of Redemption Hill, that we always have people that we're hanging out with through the week and even here on Sunday morning that are exploring who Jesus is. 
So if that's you today, then the invitation to begin living worthy is just to say, you know what, God, I see that I need you, and I need you to draw me into this thing to escape the judgment that I deserve because I haven't lived for you, I haven't honored you, I've, I've done my own thing, I've gone my own way, I've lived my life according to my own wisdom, and that doesn't satisfy and that doesn't work out very well even practically. So what I'm going to do is this, I'm going to turn back to you and I'm going to line my life up with what you desire for me and I'm going to experience the life that you made for me in the very beginning. So if, if you're exploring today, and you would say, look, I need some help with this. I, I need to, to learn more about Jesus and, and who he was and how he lived and why he died and, and did he really rise from the dead, then, then we're here for you to explore that together. Some of you are saying, well, Tanner, look, I, I want to live worthy of Jesus. How do I do that? A couple ways that stand out in verse 27, Paul uses a couple of of, of ways that we can, can get at this. Okay, number one, he says, stand firm. Standing firm in one spirit. This is a, a military term, okay? And Paul is, is using the picture of a soldier standing at his post that is unwilling to budge even an inch. Because a soldier that's standing at, like, if they budge an inch, what happens? Lives are on the line, Right? A major liability is, is then exposed because we've stepped back, we've gotten distracted, we've moved away from, from our post. So, so first Paul says, look, stand firm, be, be firm, uh, take a defensive posture. Because after all, even though we don't want uh, war in a physical sense, right? Like, so, no, no, it's like, hey, I hope we go to war. Like, I, hope, I wish there were more war in the world. No, like, that's not the way God designed his world, war and conflict, okay? So we don't, we don't want that in a physical realm, but we can't avoid it in a spiritual realm. There is a war going on. There is opposition. Jesus talks about it numerous times. His earliest followers, like Paul, talk about it numerous times. So we have to stand firm. And then Paul, perhaps, this could be another military term, but it also could be the term of like a coach would use because not only does he say stand firm, but then he says strive together side by side. And again, I'm not trying to like pull out all these Greek words to make you think I'm super smart, okay? I just like look back at some books that I, that I dusted off my shelf, okay, and just pull this stuff out, right? So, so the Greek word here for striving side by side is sin asleo. And you hear the word athlete in there, right? Like where we get the word athlete. So Paul is saying, look, strive together and go after this, not in just a defensive posture, right? Because I don't know about you, but I like the score, you know what I'm saying? So we're like, we're going to go at this thing and we're going we're gonna to move the mission forward, but we're going to do it, not in isolation, but we're going to do it together. And so some of you know, this is just for a picture, okay? Some of you know that I, I built a deck last summer. Everyone know that? I built, I built the deck. Um, you can see, you can see uh, the, oh wait, there were a few other people there. Oh man, yep, I had some, I had some help. <laughs> um, this is what the back of our home looked like after we tore down just some rickety old stairs, that, which is why we decided to build the deck. We had to get rid of the stairs. We said, why not just try to build a deck? Thankfully, some friends joined in on the mission, and we got this thing to happen after weeks of hard work and detail work. So, so just, just a quick thought. How long would it have taken me to build that deck on my own? Years. My whole life. 
Reddy, who was the leader of the project, just sold me out right there, but I was going to say it anyway. He's a, he said forever. Isn't that nice? Um, yeah, I, listen, not only that, I probably would have destroyed my home and probably my marriage. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So thank you for laughing. That is a joke. Our love is indestructible. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sorry. Um, forever, right? I don't have those skills. That's not, that's not who, but, but to do it together, for me to watch and learn and to, okay, like, yes, yeah, screw this here, hammer that there, and carry this there. And we, we did it together, working side by side. I mean, you think about the Super Bowl. Tom, like, even the great Tom Brady, like, he's not going to win the, his fifth Super Bowl on his own, right? He needs Edelman, and he needs Blunt, and he needs Hightower, and he also needs some, some guys you never heard of, probably, unless you're like Anthony, Anthony Paula. Um, you know, Jonathan Jones, special teamer. You know Jonathan Jones. You know everybody. You know the whole 53-man roster. Um, Alden Roberts, rookie, who's doing his thing this year. Um, Ted, Ted uh, Karras, an old lineman. I didn't, even, I didn't know he was on the team. But he's going to get the job done next Sunday night, right? And he's going to get a ring like the rest of the team, including Brady. Because we need one another. And so listen, the Christian life is side by side. It's not side by self. Like, we, we need one another. It's not a solo project. So, so who is beside you? And who are you walking This is, when we, this is why when we unveiled this, this 2017 vision, and I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of, of the message today, um, we said, look, some of the story-changing steps that, that we uh, need to, to probably take in order to really fulfill this, uh, two of those are really focused on community, right? On doing life together, on striving side by side. The first one is, is number two there, the four story-changing steps that you have on your card there that you receive when you walk in. Um, number two says, energize our Sunday experience by serving with a team. And the goal is to, to, to do that once a month. I mean, did you, did you uh, hear our music team here today? We, we have about nine new team members. And so the team gets stronger and we serve more effectively together, Right? And, and when we all take those steps, no matter, like, I can't, I wish I could sing, you know, that would be great. But, like, whatever we're playing our role, whatever that is, like greeting someone, working with kids, our church is stronger because we're serving side by side. We're striving side by side. This is also why we have groups. So number three, if, you have, if you've never connected with one of our groups, whether it be an explore group or, or community group, um, we want to connect with groups for mutual encouragement and community. Again, it's like, we need one another to support one another. We need one another to, to pat one another on the back and, and to push one another forward to keep at this thing. And so if you've never connected with a group, this is what I always tell people, right? If you've never been to Redemption Hill and I get to meet you and it's like, you know, it doesn't feel pushy, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes that, it's not an irresistible invitation if you're feeling pushy on people, all right? So don't be... Don't be doing that, all right, just as a heads up. But, 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 but after, you know, there's a little bit of a rapport, you know what I'm saying, and people are, people are, are receptive, here's what I'll say. It's like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you visit three times? I mean, just, you know, two at least, but three would be nice. And just if you, if you don't benefit from your time here with us, then I wouldn't expect you to come back. I mean, I think that's somewhat compelling, right? It's giving people an out. It's saying, like, I expect this to make a difference in your life. I would say the same thing about group. 
If you've never been to a group at Redemption Hill, go three times, and if you don't benefit, don't go back. But I actually would say this. I'm not, this is just to be real, all right? Real talk. If you don't benefit, the problem may not be with the group. I'm just going to leave it there. Why do we do all this? Standing firm, striving side by side. We do this for the faith of the gospel. We do all that we do for the faith of the gospel. And I think Paul used this this phrase in a robust sense to say, look, it's so what what the faith is, the, the faith of the gospel is at work in you. You believe, but it's also like, so that's like to live as Christ, a philosophy of life in verse 21 of chapter one, to live as Christ. But also, it's not just for the gospel to to, to be strong in us, but it's so that the gospel would advance through us for the faith of the gospel. Not just to work in us, but it work through us so that other people can come in on this. So this is what Paul is after. Live worthy of Jesus by standing and striving side by side. Then, Then number two. Live worthy and fearless, for salvation follows suffering. I want to read these few verses, and then I need to speed up. 28, he says, And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that you uh, should not only, for the sake of Christ, believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Okay, so, so that, that first phrase in verse 28 is one to focus on. Okay, it says, not frightened in any way by your opponents. See, the, 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 their opponents, they thought they were fools. You believed that a man was God. You believed that this God-man rose from the dead. You believe that this God-man that rose from the dead is now king. Which means ultimately Caesar isn't king. And to say that Caesar isn't king can get you dealt with. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get taken out if you say Caesar isn't Lord of all. But Jesus is Lord of all. This was risky business to believe in Jesus. And so Paul's saying, look, you're going to have opponents. They're going to, they're going to, try, to, they're going to try to dissuade you. In fact, if they don't dissuade you, they might try to destroy you. And Paul knew this. Paul had plenty of opponents. If you just look back, he spent some time in Philippi, right? Like he was the one that brought the news of Jesus to these people, right? So if you flip back to Acts 16, you can just listen along if you'd like. Starting in verse 16, this is the experience Paul had in Philippi. Okay, check this out. It says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain. Okay, that means they were making a lot of money off of this poor girl by fortune telling. All right? And so this is, check out this picture. I think this is funny. Um, she followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. I mean, she had that right. 
But just picture this. Like she's following them around again and again and again and again, day after day. And so verse 18 says, And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, had, having become greatly annoyed, like Paul's trying to be patient with her, you know, as he keeps on keeping on. So it says, He turned to her and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So what happens? This girl is healed, but her owners are not happy because now there went their paycheck. And so it says then that they had Paul arrested and his companions. They beat them with rods. They inflicted many blows, verse 23. They threw them in prison, and they put them then, verse 24, in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Okay, That was not a good day for Paul. That's not funny. Paul, Paul knew what it was like to have opponents. He knew what it was like to suffer for Christ. The early church knew what this was like. Other followers would look at, look at Acts 5 verse 40. It says this, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. You say, well, then what? Like, hey, like we, we might should like tone it down a little bit. Like, this, you know, that hurt. Let's, let's not try to do that again. It says in verse 41, Then they left the presence of the council after having been beaten and charged, like, don't open your mouth anymore. And it says they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, the Christ is Jesus. And so look, just like the earliest followers, like if we think we sign up to be all in with Jesus and never experience any kind of trouble or, or, or push back, then we're just setting ourselves up for a major, major a surprise and letdown. Jesus promised, look, you're going to have trouble. People aren't going to like that you're saying that I'm the king of the world and that you follow me no matter what. And so it may come in the form of just, you know, a little snide remark here, a little condescending, you know, push back over there. All right, but we are going to face some opposition in this world. And let me tell you something. That is, according to Paul, a gift to us. It's a, it's a gift. I mean, did you read verse 29? It's been granted to you. That word granted is like, hey, here it is. Here's a gift. You don't have to do anything. You, just, you don't have to earn it. You just, here you go. And he says it's granted to you not only to believe, which again, theologically speaking, like tells us that faith is a gift, that Jesus has to show us that he's real and give us the strength and power to believe in him. But not only is our belief a gift, suffering is also a gift. And you say, like, that doesn't mean that we should want suffering, okay? That doesn't mean that in, in God's eyes that suffering is a good thing, but that means that God, in God's eyes, suffering is a reality in this broken, fallen world. And when we suffer for Jesus, what we're doing is showing the world how great Jesus is. You can oppose me, you can strike me down, you can even put me to death, but I'm just saying to live as Christ and to die is gain. If that's the logic of your life, look, nothing can stop you. Nothing can, can phase you. If that's really the deep-seated belief in your heart. And here's what I love. When we take that posture, 
Paul says it's a sign to everyone. Like what is it? a sign points to something else, right? So, so when you suffer for Jesus and you're willing to take the hit again and again in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends, wherever, then you, as you push on and say, I still love Jesus, they'll believe in Jesus, you can't stop me from all of that, then, then Paul's saying, look, it's a sign to them of their destruction, but your salvation. And again, that from God. So, so, so in other words, like, if, if you keep pushing forward and you keep pressing on, then maybe, just maybe, they're going to begin to like, whoa, maybe this isn't just kind of like a make-believe story, but they really believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead, and people don't do that. And so maybe if that's true, then maybe I need to look into that. Hopefully they move from destruction in the end to salvation in the end with us. That's our hope. That's our prayer. And so to bring this home as we think about striving side by side with one mind, one heart for the faith of the gospel, I hope that we will pray these words for one another. And I hope that we'll seek to live out these words with one another and for one another. Because like last week we talked about we talked about this vision, right? We said, if you missed last week, I was just like, not because it was such a great message or whatever from Pastor Tanner, but because it's so central to what we're about this year as a church, I would encourage you to go listen to it. All right, what we said there's steps change stories. And so this first side, you can look at this. You received it when you walked in, hopefully. Um, This is called our discipleship strategy. What we want to do is help all people, you and everyone that you would ever meet, uh, we hope that we can help all people become mature and multiplying followers of Jesus. And so how we plan to do that is through a series of steps. Someone like you stepped into to our service today, our Sunday experience, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time. And what we hope is, again, that this wouldn't be your only step, but that you would take next steps. So we always encourage, hey, connect with a group, serve with a team, because it isn't isolation, it's about community. We want to do this together. We want to encourage one another to be about the mission for the faith of the gospel. And so that's why then as people do that, we say, hey, you want to be all in with not only Jesus, but this local group of Jesus people known as Redemption Hill? Then come on in, and we're going to be about the business of multiplying both locally and globally. That's multiplying New people that want to follow Jesus, multiplying leaders, multiplying missionaries. Okay, that's what we're about. And we said, well, well, how are we going to do that? What's our focus going to be? In years past, sometimes I think we've probably given too many kind of goals and things to, to chase after. We said, like, this year we're just going to focus on one central goal, okay, that's going to influence all the rest, all right? And we said this, what if, if we all take, took some bold steps this year? Like believing that steps change stories. What if we took some bold steps and extended 12 irresistible invites to our friends, family, neighbors, coworkers into the story of Jesus through Redemption Hill? So look, this could be this could be to a Sunday. It could be to a certain effort. Uh, you know, effort could be Super Sunday. Whether they're coming with you next Sunday, bringing canned soup, or they're going out and distributing soup to families in need around our city the following week. It could be any number of things that are going on in the life of our church. But what we're saying is, look, we want to extend personal, meaningful, compelling, courageous 
and loving invites to the people in our relational networks. And we want to do this because we are moved, as as that last characteristic says, we are moved by love because Jesus has invited us in. We want to invite others in to experience who he is. And so my, my hope for us is, is this. We don't say like, oh man, it's like, okay, Pastor Tanner got together with the other pastors, leaders, and he's like, this sounds good this year, and so this is what we're going to do. Um, no, I hope you would say, you know what, like, what he just said is so true. Jesus invited me in. So the most loving thing that I could do for someone else is to invite them in. This is normal Christianity. Throw, throw, Jay, throw the, the verses in Acts. I don't have time to go through all these, but I'm just saying, more than ever, believers were added. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. The word increased. Churches were strengthened. They increased in numbers. The word continued to increase and prevail mightily. Okay, the only way that was happening is because everyday Jesus people were courageous enough to take those steps and say, hey, this is what I've discovered why don't you come on in and explore for yourself? And, and I'm going to pray that God shows you the same things that he's shown me. And so listen, I didn't say this last week. It was in my notes. And then it's like, you always kind of go back, like, oh man, I blew it there. And I could have done said this better. Uh, well, well, this one I think is helpful. To tell stories we've never told, we need to take steps we've never taken. If, if we want our lives to change, we need to take some steps. If we want the people that we care about, if we want their lives to change, we need to take some steps that we've never taken. So my question to you today is this. Listen, would you be willing to say, with God's power at work in me, I will seek to extend 12 irresistible invites into the story of Jesus through Redemption Hill this year? Why not us? Why not now? Step into this story so that we can move forward and so that they can join us and move forward together. I hope you will say, man, I'm all in on this, striving side by side for the faith of Jesus so that more and more people can know. Let's pray together. God, thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. God, thank you that you have invited us in when we had no business being on the party list. And so, God, thank you that you love people who haven't loved you. Thank you that you're merciful to people that are not merciful to other people. God, thank you that you allow us to experience the joy, the life, the peace, the love, the the salvation from judgment to experience everything that we will get both now and forever in your presence because of what Christ has done for us. And so, God, would you lead us to extend that same love to other people? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask Caleb just to play a little something. I've got a little surprise for you here. So I want to get this map of Medford. And what we're going to do today is this. We're going to have a time before we sing a song together, of just saying, you know what? Man, because Jesus has invited me in, I'm willing to invite others in. 
And, and so if, if that's you, listen, if, you're, if this is your first Sunday at Redemption Hill, you're like, man, what did I get myself into today? He's talking about the whole year. And I'm like, whoa. Um, listen, you can just think about it or you can, you can take a step even if, you know, you're going to apply it some, some other way. All right? We're cool with that. But, but if you would call Redemption Hill your church, or you're saying, man, maybe I want to be in on this vision this year, then what I want to do is this. I'm going to ask Carlos here to put this map on this easel, and a couple of our ushers are going to come forward, and they're going to have some stickers. And these stickers are just, man, I just got these as staples, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just simple as this. You used to get them as a kid, right? This isn't like, hey, you did your homework or whatever. This is just a representation to say, look, I am all in on being part of an invitational life because of who God is and what he's done. I want to take some steps this year to change my own story and to change the story of those around me by God's grace. And so uh, Chris and Haley, they have stickers for you. And if you, if you want to be in on this, there's no pressure. There's no judgment. If you don't, if you don't come and put a sticker on the map, like, hey, maybe next week. Maybe the week after. Even if, like, and remember, we said, look, it's not about getting 12 or putting 40 stickers on the map. Because what we're going to do is as the year goes on, we're going to like, as we give out irresistible invites, we're going to keep putting stars on the map. We're going to find a place to display this. Maybe in the back, maybe, maybe in the lobby somewhere. And what I, what I hope happens, by God's grace, just because he's so good, we're going to see this map light up. I mean, in fact, you're not going to be able to, by the end of the year, the hope and the goal is you're not even going to be able to see the map. I, don't, I haven't done the math on this, but I would say probably 2,100 of these, even tiny stickers, will basically cover this whole map of Medford and the surrounding cities. So if you're in on this, I just want to invite you, look, this kind of section of, of Redemption Hill can kind of come down this aisle, and Haley will give you a sticker, and you can just, boom, put it right there on the map, anywhere you want. You can put it where you live, you can put it where you like to go get coffee, it doesn't matter, okay? But just say, hey, I'm all in on this. And this section, you can return to your seat going this way, this section can come down here and get one from Chris, and then exit out here to my right, your left. But let's be in on this together. I, look, I don't want to, I'm going to go at this, but I don't want to go at it alone. So let's be about God's business this year as a church to make a difference in our city together. Move as God leads you.